this is Liam Hendricks and you're watching Crosstown Crosstalk on the Barroom Network. Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Every summer in Chicago, the sunshine spotlights the city's spectacular skyline. It's luxurious lakeshore, marvelous monuments, and the over 200 neighborhoods in the city. And it also brings to light two of the greatest sports franchises in the world. On the north side, it's the Cubs. On the south side, it's the White Sox. This is Crosstown Crosstown. Hello and welcome to episode number 42 of Crosstown Crosstalk presented by the Barroom Network. My name is Vinny Parisi and Joey Parisi is not here. And so last time I had Joey on, I think, you know, with me here on Crosstown Crosstalk was probably when we did the Liam Hendricks interview. I think that's the last time that he was in here. And, you know, I've been missing having someone named Joe on my show. You know, it's just something I, I needed good Joe in my life. I have a lot of good Joes in my life. One of my absolute favorite Joes in the history of Joes is my good friend, Joe Mandel. He hosts South Burbs Hitman here at the Barroom Network. Joe, welcome in. What's going on, Vinny? Thank you for having me, my friend. And uh, it's good to be back on the air with you. And most importantly, we're talking about baseball that's actually going to happen and be played. When's the last time me and you were on air together? We were on the air last right after the blackout game. Um, right before we got eliminated and we had Alyssa on, Alyssa Bergamini, uh, we were all pumped up to go to game well, game two at home of the uh, ALD, ALDS. And uh, yeah. it didn't end the way we wanted to, but it was still a ton of fun. Yeah. I mean, we went through a whole football season and thinking that, wondering if there was going to be baseball at all. And you and I are both big football fans, so it's not like we were having issues with that. But no. once, once the Super Bowl was over, I was like, okay, it's the dog days of hockey. Yeah, I love hockey, but I'm like, a, I need two sports in my life. I like basketball, but I'm not like the diehard. You know, I'm not going to sit here and give myself credit as a diehard. And when, you know, when the Bulls are in the playoffs, it'll be fun. But I'm like, I need postseason or I need regular season baseball when the weather turns. And it just wasn't coming. And we got to day 99 and it came through. So I got to ask you. What was your reaction to the lockout ending, which broke here on this show last I week? I saw. I saw. That was great. It was great to see your reaction live on the air, man. You were fired up, and, and so was I. It was uh, probably the best news I've had in a long time, You know, not only because I'm excited to watch baseball and uh, get into the, the weeds of it here on South Burb Set Man covering the White Sox with you and, of course, you know Chris and Gonzo, but uh, you know mainly – I also have a lot of family and friends that work at the ballpark, as you and, and the rest of the network know. You know, those people rely day in and day out on on those games being played on both sides of town. And same thing with all the local business. I mean, we've had folks on from Grandstand, you know, and a bunch of other local spots near the ballpark, and it's important for them. So when I saw the news come through, it was uh, music to my ears. I was ready for baseball, you know, excited to see where this White Sox team can build on from last year. Uh, in this really, really quick and aggressive free agency, which I'm sure we'll touch on today. 
And uh, most of all, man, uh, I was also excited to get a little fantasy baseball under my belt for this season because, you know, I like to play fantasy baseball. It's a long season, but it uh, it's fun. And, you know, for, for a little bit, uh, it's, it's a hobby in your back pocket. I even got you to join my league this year, Vinny. So I'm excited for everything baseball. Uh, and I got to get out to the ballpark at least once this year. Yeah. I mean, I feel the same way about everything you said. When it was gone, I didn't know what to do. Like, I was getting people on this show to talk about, like, the Avengers and Star Wars. Like, that was my upcoming plan here if there was no baseball. You know, thinking about going back to my old job, you know, besides covering the White Sox. And I was like, I don't want to do that. It was just crazy to me. Like, when you, it kind of hit me right there when you brought up people that you know that work at the ballpark and it's like it impacts more than just players and umpires and coaches absolutely and that. so you know those of us that work in the game we need this stuff so it ending was just incredible now since we last spoke on air the white Sox have made some additions just a few. And some of the big ones that come to mind are of course relievers kendall graveman and joe kelly and then of course josh harrison is coming into play some second base for the White Sox. And that yeah. kind of will move Leary Garcia back into a utility role. You got guys like Danny Mendick to back up second base. I think the additions here are interesting. Most of them are, I would say, good. I'd like to know your thoughts on those major White Sox transactions. Yeah, I I really like the free agency move so far. Uh, I was talking with Aldo pre-show, you know, I really think the Josh Harrison signing is a great signing for this team. You know, throw him in at second base. He's a gritty kind of player. He's going to fit in really well with this White Sox team. I'm excited to see what he can do. It's a, it's a bargain signing. You know, a lot of people are poo-pooing it, but but I'm I'm really excited to see how Josh fits in on this team. Uh, I think he's going to prove that he fits, he belongs here, and uh, he's going to be a, a valued asset. Uh, the most the signing I'm most excited about so far is Joe Kelly. You know, I think he really adds a nice depth to this bullpen. Uh, it gives us a nice. Uh, extra punch because they really want to work on this bullpen because obviously we saw how it imploded a bit during uh during the playoffs against the Astros and Kendall Graveman as well fits in with that as well uh, a great addition but I think he does have to have a conversation with uh, our buddy Jose Abreu after that plunking incident last year uh, I I know I read somewhere that they already it's water under the bridge they already had that discussion but uh, I know it's fresh in my mind and it, and hopefully they can uh, they can get that beef below below the waters there, but uh, I do love the additions across the board. I would be excited to see them uh, get another bat and definitely at least another starter because we're a little thin in those respects, Vinny. I know we'll probably talk about that later in the show, but uh, big fan of what Rick Hahn's doing so far. Kendall Graveman said that the blackout game was a big influence in him choosing the White Sox. He enjoyed what he saw that day, and it was unlike everything whatever has ever seen. Would you like to give yourself some credit for helping recruit Kendall Graveman since you were one of the people there along with me? Yeah, absolutely. I'll, I'll take I'll take partial credit for that alongside you and, and whatever 40-plus thousand that were there at the park that day. But uh, that, that was the most electric game I've ever been to, and, you know, and I hope that uh, that's the reason I bought a 20-game package again this year, Vinny. It's like – yeah, I just had a brand new baby and I'm probably not going to be able to go to anywhere near 20 games, but I'm guaranteed playoff tickets by getting a 20 game package. And I just, I got just for the opportunity to see a blackout game like that. Again, that electricity, uh, I just want to inject it in my veins every single day because I'll never forget it. And I hope we can build off what we did last year. 
Yeah, uh, it was probably the greatest sporting event I've ever been to. I, I know me and you have both been to some outstanding stuff in our day. Um, the blackout game was incredible. So credit to us for recruiting Kendall Graveman. Yeah. And Joe Kelly's coming to town. Joe Kelly, I like it when the White Sox had guys who have won the World Series. Joe Kelly has won two. So I also see him as somebody who, in a way, like Liam Hendricks, kind of has an attitude. He kind of reminds me oh, yeah. of if I, he reminds me of if I was a major league baseball player. He like kind of wants everyone to hate him if he's not on your team, like F you oppose opponent. I kind of like that. He screams south side to me. I'm so excited to see him join the bullpen between him and Aaron Bummer. Do you like that as a setup duo for Liam Hendricks and Craig Kimbrell as a closer duo? Yeah, I do. I think Joe Kelly adds a really nice uh, fiery dynamic to this bullpen. We have it already in Hendricks, but you know, Joe Kelly is a guy that he might get suspended for like, you know, four or five games this season because he's always fired up. He might be plunking guys or, or, or shouting with somebody else. He, he has that South side mentality and, you know, I think in the mid to be a, a mid inning guy, to be able to come in and set up this amazing bullpen, uh, I'm excited to see what Joe Kelly does this year. Um, I want to see him in a White Sox uniform so bad. Uh, both in, you know, I want to see him in the black uniform, the road uniform, and, and I want to see him specifically uh, in the throwback '83 uniform because I, I know he's going to be uh, he's going to be styling. And uh, Joe Kelly is always bringing the style to the table, and he's got a name. His name is Joe, so I'm a little partial in that respect, Vinny. Yeah, over the last week or so since he signed with the White Sox, he has officially made it onto my Joe Mount Rushmore, joining, of yeah. course, my brother and you. So sure. you know, shout out to all the Joes out there. St. Joseph's Day is coming up. Shout out to all my Italians here on the biggest Irish holiday of the year. Josh Harrison. <laughs> Josh Harrison has played for some interesting teams in his career. In the latter half of his career, he's played for only dumpster fires. He's only been on – he played on the A's last year, but they fell off a cliff after he was traded there. Then he's got time with the Stinky Tigers and the Stinky Pirates before yeah, the Pirates – or after the Pirates were good. He had some really good years there in Pittsburgh. He was an all-star twice. Yes, he did. He, there when the, he was there when the – Pirates were good, I think, too, if I remember correctly, you know, playing in that wild card game against the Cubs. But he kind of reminds me of somebody who could, like, late in his career provide just, like, be a good nine-hitter play, good second base. Yeah. And this is absolutely, regardless, even if you include those Pirates teams, I think this is the best white or the best baseball lineup he will ever have hit, hit in. I I agree. And, and, and like you said, he's played on some pretty horrible teams. He's a career 274 hitter, Vinny. I mean, people are overlooking this drastically. Uh, this is a bargain signing. I think he's going to be a monster in this lineup. Uh, he's a guy I'm in, you're in my fantasy league, but I'm going to tell you this anyway. He's a guy that I'm targeting as a late round fantasy steal as well for someone that's going to, he's, he's can steal some bags too. He's got some speed for, for, I don't want to call him an old guy, but he's an older player. Um, so I think Josh Harrison is going to be a valuable part of this lineup. And we're going to be talking about him later in the year as being like, hey, I can't believe anybody slept on this guy. He, he, he's got such so many good hitters around him. Uh, he's just got the recipe for success. I don't blame him one bit for coming. Absolutely. So there's a guy on the White Sox roster who's very intriguing. And he was, you know, great. At the beginning of last year, of course, he played with the Chicago Cubs in the first half of the year, and then he was traded over to the White Sox. We have a question in the chat revolving Craig Kimbrell, and then I will get your thoughts on sure. the whole thing. 
PZ wants to know, do you think Kimbrel stays? <laughs> oh man. Uh, that's an interesting question. Uh, I think if he can help get us a, a good starter, I think you let him, I think you trade him away. Uh, Cause our bullpen, I mean, look what they did. They've signed two great addition. Well, three great additions of the bullpen. If you count Velasquez, uh, depending he might be a, a, they might use him as a long uh, starter to start the year or a short starter, if you will. So I, I do think that they're going to trade Craig Kimbrell. I, I, I don't know for sure that he's going to pull the, pull the trigger there, but uh, if we could get some starting pitching help, if we can use him in a trade to get like a, a Sean Manea, like they're saying the white Sox are linked to the A's. Um, I would do it all day. If you could get a, a quality starter in return, know a two or a three guy to plug in with our quality options. So uh, I would trade Kimbrel if you could, and if you can't, then you're stuck with having a great bullpen. So it's not the worst problem to have, but uh, he certainly imploded a few times last year. And I'm sure we're about to see him give up a, one of those big bombs here in, on, on screen, but you know, he, he didn't have the same stuff for the white Sox as he did for the Cubs last year. That's for sure. Yeah. And a lot of that had to do with his role. I know some people don't like to hear it, but the fact of the matter remains that, Baseball players are their creatures of habit. And Craig Kimbrell's been a closer his whole career. And the eighth inning is a whole different animal. And I believe if he plays this year, he will be a closer. Tony LaRusa has made mention of that after they were eliminated by the Astros last fall and at spring training this year so far. So in order to get Manaya or Kimbrell, I think rebuilding type of pieces are gonna have to go the other way in order to sure get get Manaya or uh, Montez from the A's. So, like, I, I'm not really sure Kimbrough would fetch one of those two guys because, like, why would the A's want Kimbrough right now? Or but, at least be know, part of the deal. I don't think he'd be the centerpiece by any means. Yeah, certainly. And they could take him and flip him again and have an extra piece to flip. So exactly. there are all sorts of ways that Kimbrough can be worked into a deal for one of those guys as well. But, you know, I like seeing it. The fact that they have him and the worst thing that could happen, as you mentioned, is they have two of the best closers from the last five years with two incredible setup men ahead of them with Aaron Bummer and um, um, what's his name? Graveman. So it's going to be interesting to see. I like this bullpen as a whole. Um, in addition to everything that has gone on with the White Sox so far this off season, what else is needed in your brain? We need a backup catcher badly. We need a, we need a quality backup catcher and there's no movement in that respect. Um, I don't know if there's going to be at this point. Um, but we could definitely use a quality backup catcher. I'm not trying to poo-poo all over Sebi Zavala, but you know he's not going to hit four home runs every single game, and that's evident from last season. I'd, I'd like to have a pretty good backup defensive catcher. Uh, I feel like we don't really have that. I mean, not the Sebi's not awful, but I feel like we could use an upgrade there. Uh, we also definitely need some starting pitching because you know if you go to White Sox website right now Vinny, and you look at our depth chart for our rotation you it shows giolito cease lynn keichel and lopez obviously you're gonna probably put michael kopech into the mix there um but either way that's the bottom half of that rotation's scarily weak so we need at least one more piece and and i think they're gonna do that um i'd also like to see a bat, a right fielder, maybe if they could, uh, as, uh, as I saw on Twitter, the white Sox have the highest payroll that they've had, uh, in 
ever in the history of the team. I believe they're at like 190 million or something like that. I'm double checking on my Twitter to confirm that figure. Um, but they're definitely spending more money than they've ever done before. And I'm pulling up that figure right now just so I have it. And I can't get it. But anyway, I believe it's around 190 million or so. So the White Sox payroll is through the roof. 180. I don't want to interrupt you. It's 180 and it's the highest in team history. And that number is going to go up because they're going to keep on spending. So uh, hopefully that they open the pocketbook because this team is not far off from being able to run the gamut in the American League uh, and hopefully with the entire league. So uh, they need some help across the board. But for me, a starting pitcher and a backup catcher are probably two top priorities for me. Someone asked Michael Kopech today what it would what is his intentions this season? What does he believe his plan is? And he told them that he believes that he really enjoyed being a part of the bullpen last year. And he feels like he bonded well with those guys, but being a starting pitcher in major league baseball is his quote dream job. I believe innings limit or not. This is just my personal opinion. I believe he has the pure stuff to be a starter. I think he should have started that game four of the postseason game. Carlos Rodon clearly wasn't ready. I can't, I doesn't make sense in my brain to think that they didn't know that or he yeah. didn't show you know i think they like, took the risk like oh is 80 percent of rodon better than kopech no he's not no so you know i think he's gonna have an amazing year i like him as a number four or even if he starts as like a number six if you will and you use velasquez and you use keichel or reynaldo lopez i don't hate it so what are your thoughts on Mr. Kopech as he transitions to a major league starter? I, I think you let him roll from the from the get-go. I think you, you throw him out there and uh, just see how he performs because I think he's bo- he's been born and bred to be a starter. Uh, I think the one thing that you got to do, though, if he is starting games, is you cannot let him try to throw 104 every single time he throws a fastball. Um, we saw that happen in his first season when he pitched, I think, one or two starts maybe, and then he blew out his arm. So they're going to have to keep that in check if he's going to be a starter. But um, let him go out the gate. I say let him go right out the gate. And uh, I like what Vince says there as him as a number four. I agree. I think you have him as a four starter, and he's got uh, he's got the upside to be a quality you know, two or three once he gets things going on all cylinders. So uh, I think that's what you do. If every single one of those pitchers in Vince's comments – has the best year they can. I'm not even don't like. I'm not even saying be Garrett Cole, or you know. I think Lucas Giolito has that type of potential. But you know, if every single one of them has their best possible ceiling, reaches their ceiling, there's 15 or there's four top 15 Cy Young Award vote getters in that mix. Yep, and uh, they just have they've they've got a, some great stuff between those four guys. And uh, adding one more quality pitching arm, I think, is the thing that puts this team over the top. So uh, I'd love to see Han do that in the offseason here before the trade deadline because he's not going to pay as much now as he will at the deadline, in my opinion. Do you have zero belief that Dallas Keuchel can come back and be any good? Because last year he wasn't good in the second half, but in the first half he started like 7-3. and three. The ERA was yeah. spiked a little bit, and he he's a soft contact pitcher, which – sometimes can get you into trouble and you run in the risk of base hits and bad defense and stuff like that. So this is a Cy Young winning world series champion we're talking about here and nobody respects him as such. So I wonder what your thoughts are on that. Yeah. I mean, I don't hate him as a five. Uh, I also don't, don't love what I've seen from his stuff. Uh, 
it just seems like it's going downhill across the board. And I don't, I just don't like his body language and kind of the disrespect he had for Tony LaRusso last year. You know, I know he had some beef with Tony and uh, didn't, didn't like his role on the team. Like you can not like your role, but I think you got to respect your manager. And that's kind of the thing that I have an issue with. Um, I, I don't mind Keuchel as a five or, or being a, a, a guy in the pen, but I just, I just don't see him as a long-term option. And I'd much rather have another starter uh, than him. I just don't have the trust. That's really fair. Um, if you're Dallas Keuchel and you don't like the fact that you're left off a of postseason roster, you know what you could do to fix that? Not have an over five ERA. Exactly. So that's where I'm at on the whole thing. The rotation has a chance. The The top three are sick, right? Like we know Lucas Giolito, Dylan Cease, and Lance Lynn are going to bring it this year. Lance Lynn's already looking, you know, kind of mean and ready to go in spring training so far. Dylan Cease looks like a snack walking in with this mustache and his hair coming <laughs> to the side. And then Lucas Giolito, Lucas Giolito looks like he could be uh outside linebacker for Alabama the way yeah, he, he does. he's built right now. So you bring this three together and then you worry about the four and five and maybe you run a six to help Copex innings early in the season and it could be a really good rotation. Now you you combine a really good rotation with a really good bullpen, which we kind of alluded to already, we talked about. Then you get to the starting lineup. Luis Robert showed incredible potential when he came back from injury last year. We yeah. know him as somebody who is a five-tool player. He can hit for power, hit for contact run field and um what what's the fifth oh speed so yeah he's got speed yeah so it's like what are we thinking of him because he had a three war in only 60 games last year you put that in an average of 162 games and we're talking about a seven and a half eight war player that's mvp stuff that's shohei otani that's vladimir guerrero jr you know mike trout's always in that range do you think he can have an mvp type season if Luis Robert has a fully, completely healthy season from the go, this guy is the MVP of the American League. There's no doubt in my mind. Uh, it was one of my predictions last year was that you know that Luis would be the MVP, and if he stayed healthy and didn't wasn't out for that chunk of time, I honestly believe he would have been a top candidate given his performance on the field. I mean, he's got it all. His power was there. I mean, he's he's hitting things so long. So I'm just. Uh, Excited to see what he can build on, not only, you know, on the base pass, but, you know, in the outfield as well, because he's made some crazy catches as well. I don't want to see the guy get hurt, though. Uh, the one thing I do want to say, and this is not just about Luis Roberts, about the team as a whole, is I think we need to to watch the training staff. I know there was a lot of issues last year with a lot of guys getting hurt. Uh, they had a, an off-season program where most of these guys trained by themselves with their own trainers, we just need to I'm I, I think we should be a little concerned and the whole league might have to be a little concerned for how these guys are going to come from that and play a full season. So uh, hopefully Luis and his, his trainer did a nice job in the offseason. He looks great coming into camp, but uh, I think that's a concern we have to have across the board. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing last year was guys are getting hurt left and right because they only played a 60-game season the year before. The excuse this year is going to be that nobody trained in the offseason how they're used to training, and that's why, you know, I'm, I'm nervous about it too, there's no doubt, but I believe Luis Robert can have that type of season if he were to play the whole year. Totally. Yeah, the, the guy is going to be a, a five-tool player, and he's going to be one of the most valuable players 
in fantasy baseball too. So I think that's another guy that if you, you got to look at him for a, a first round pick, um, not to go too far off the fantasy train, but you got to bring it up. Absolutely. And even though I think he's the best hitter on the team, I do. And I know we've seen Jose Abreu win the MVP, have 115 ER or RBIs in his sleep. But, you know, Abreu is a little less, you know, all around type of hitter than Robert. Um, one player who's all or nothing is Eloy Jimenez. And yeah. we know about him with the outfield where we could repeat the same sentiment about him staying healthy and not trying to karate chop a wall while, you know, trying to rob a spring training home run. I'm happy he's not in the lineup, either lineup today. Um, I believe he will lead the White Sox in home runs. And I know what I've said about Luis leading in home runs doesn't make you an MVP candidate. It makes you one of the better offensive players on your team. Do you think I'm absolutely insane for thinking that? No, not at all. I mean, this is a guy that, uh, again, because of stupid injury last year, Aloy missed, feels like the whole season. I mean, it wasn't, but it felt like it. Um, but when he came back, he was he was strong, and then he kind of fell off a little bit because he didn't get those at-bats behind the plate to kind of get comfortable. You know, I, I think it's super important for Aloy to have a, a, to have a lot of quality at-bats when he can during the short spring. And then to come into the season with a great mindset, like, hey, I don't have to hit a home run every time. You know, I, I, I want to just, if I have the opportunity for a single, a quick swing and, and on the shift or, or whatever, you, you got to take it. Um, Aloy, for me, he tried to make some big plays last year. And I think he was swinging for the fences a lot. Um, and he can do it. We all know he can. But for Aloy, I think he just needs to, to sit back and think about the big picture because yeah, you're you're not gonna. There's so many other guys in this lineup that can hit a home run every time. You know, for him not to focus on that and just get, just get a good swing, just get some bad on ball. He had a lot of bad swings and misses last year in the last I don't know two weeks of the season, and uh, I think if he can improve on making contact and and especially on some breaking ball stuff, he had some bad swings and miss on breaking balls last year. Uh, Aloy, he could really polish up his game and could be you know a top 25 player. In, in the league, if he really cleans that up. And don't try to make any crazy catches and rip your muscles in the outfield wall. Don't do that either. Yeah, we need you healthy, Eloy. One thing that strikes me, this is going to be the last year where the shift is allowed in Major League Baseball. It's going to come into effect next year where you have to have every player on the infield on the dirt, and there has to be two men to the right of first or second base and two men to the left of second base. I looked at some of the numbers. I was editing editing a piece for Southside Showdown earlier today, um, and one of my guys did a crap ton of research. Shout out Mitch um, on how the White Sox are played defensively when they come up to bat. And two players that really stuck out to me are Yoan Moncada and Yasmani Grandal. And Yasmani, when he bats left-handed, is shifted defensively 94% of his at-bats Yoan was in the high 60s, and they rank first and third on the White Sox. Like, what do you think these guys are going to do this season with the shift in place? Do you think Yoan is going to get back to his 2019 form? Last year, he was still a three-and-a-half, four-war player, which is still really, really good. I think people expected more because he was the number one prospect. And Grandal missed two months based on his knee surgery, and he was a – he was basically a three result hitter, strikeout, walk, or home run. Mm-hmm. Are you okay with that from your starting catcher? Like, what do you like from the two guys whose names start with Y? 
Yeah, I, I don't think you change a thing, to be honest with you. I think you, you do what you did last year. Uh, I mean, obviously, with, with Yaz, his swing, you could tell he was hurt before he actually got his big injury. Uh, he was kind of compensating with his swing. So I don't think if you're Yaz, you change a thing. Uh, if, <laughs> you know, if you're Yoan Mankata, the shift goes away next year. All right. You play yeah. your game to the best of your ability this season. And uh, if you're half of what you were last year, you're still going to be quality for this White Sox team. Um, obviously, you don't want to hit directly into the shift. You're going to do what you can to hit around it. But uh, next year, Yoan Mankata, you're going to see his numbers go way up, in my opinion. I, I, I think he's going to be, you know, one of the best third basemen in, in the league. And, you know, if his power numbers can grow, you know, this is a guy that is can can meet some of his lofty expectations from when we got that trade. Um, both players, to start with Y, are quality guys on this White Sox team that are going to help us make that playoff push. I strongly believe without Yoan Mankata and Yasmani Grandal, uh, this team cannot make that next push to uh, to greatness. So you really need these guys in your corner to move forward. And um, I'm, I'm expecting big things from them in 2022. I think Yoan is going to go off. I think we're going to see more of the same from Yasmani, three result type of hitter. Good pitch framer. He's valuable as a defensive catcher. As long as we don't move to robot umpires, then he might become a DH, you know, once that happens. But um, I think Yoan's going to go off. I really do. Like, if he really reaches his full potential, then we could be talking about one of the greatest White Sox uh, lineups of all time. Yeah, I, I do think so, too. And, and you know, they're not – free agency's not done yet, Vinny. We could definitely uh, see some other additions come our way. Uh, most notably, Nick Castellanos still not signed anywhere. Um, not to say that the White Sox are going to have any play in that, but, I mean, it would be fantastic if they did. Some big-name guys still out there, free agency, uh, not going quite as quick as I thought it would in some respects. Carlos Correa still a free agent. Trevor Story still a free agent. So, you know, there's so many guys out there, Vinny, that are still kind of floating. They're, they're bobbing for apples out there. So I was going to ask you, Castellanos you brought up and Conforto are still out there. The two best players that could play right field here in the free agent market with the Seattle Mariners acquiring a Cincinnati Reds right fielder. Um, I know the Giants got uh, Jock Peterson, so they're probably out of the mix on those guys. It's really down to the White Sox. And stop me if you've heard this before. It's down to the White Sox and the Padres with these two (laughs) right fielders out there in the mix. Um, the White Sox have no excuse, none to not land one of these. Yeah. I, I think they've got to get one of these guys and, uh, I'd love to see Castellanos here. I, I think he's going to be a great fit if they could. Uh, now this is all about Jerry, uh, if he wants to open the pocketbook. So, uh, if Jerry Reinsdorf wants to win and he wants to win now, adding this Nick Castellanos in right field, uh, is the way to, punch this team's ticket to the ALCS at least. Obviously the pitching is going to have to come through in some respect, but uh, this team would be one of the best lineups in the history of White Sox and possibly the American league if they got him. So hopefully they're making a play. You know, I I like all, I like both options at Conforto as well. So uh, interesting 
and interesting uh, what Rick Hahn's going to do here and, and if Jerry is on board with the whole thing. Because as we mentioned, that payroll is, is through the roof already. But uh, there's always ways to manipulate the cap. So uh, I'm interested to see uh, what they can do in that respect. Absolutely. So Tony LaRussa trying to put together this lineup. Um, mixed reviews. Throughout last season, I gave him a hard time early in the year. And then I kind of, I don't want to say I ate crow because I don't think I was wrong about what I said in the first half, but he turned it around. And sometimes when guys, they uh, edit their mistakes and whatnot, you got to give them credit for it. And I think in the second half of the year, um, Tony LaRusso was, he was fine. He didn't lose them games by any means. I, I think there are things that could have went differently in the postseason, but I didn't hate the way he coached in the second half. I'd like to hear your analysis on Tony LaRusso, what he did last year, and what you think he's going to bring to the White Sox this year as their second year now manager. Yeah, you know, I, I, I think Tony was was slow uh, to the punch to start the season last year. Um, he was kind of asleep behind the wheel for a while, and he got things, you know, after that first month, I feel like he really had things under control. Uh, the last month or so of the regular season, I don't know what it was, but Tony, it felt like Tony did like a 180 with his managerial style. Uh, he was leaving guys in too much, too long. Uh, he was letting guys throw, you know, two, two or three batters, you know, just doing, doing the bare minimum of what you have to do. Um, and, and let them get rocked. He was letting guys get rocked. He was letting guys, you know, putting the guy in the wrong situations, at least in my opinion, obviously everyone's got their own opinion, but uh, Tony, Tony seemed like he was already in postseason mindset and not worried about any extra wins. Um, if this team finished with a higher seed in the American league, they would not have played the Astros in the first round and things may have gone completely different. Um, that Astros team, of course, you know, they got pretty banged up in the second round of the playoffs, which is why they didn't advance. But you could argue that Tony taking his foot off the gas the last month of the season really cost this team. So I think what Tony learned last year is he can't take his foot off the gas at all. Not that a, a Hall of Fame manager needs to learn anything new, but I think he definitely uh, got that wake-up call that, uh, hey, you know, I, I can't take my foot off the gas in this, in this AL Central. Um, if there's one thing I've learned, and I think Tony's probably seen in the offseason too, Vinny, is that this AL Central is improving. Uh, the the Tigers are a team that's improving. You got you know you got you know Baez and, and a bunch of other quality young bats. You cannot take your foot off the gas in this division, and Tony Larusa simply will not do that either. So I think he's I think he's learned a lot, and I think he's gonna uh, take 2022. Uh, and he, I think he really wants to get that out of the ring because I can see it. On, I saw it on his face in that postseason press conference when they got eliminated. Uh, he, he looked hungry. And I think this White Sox team is going to come in hungry, uh, especially as the big favorites in the American League Central. I think the division being a little bit better is a good thing. They had a cakewalk. They had the division clinched by July, late July, it seemed like. I mean, I know mathematically not really. I remember Ozzy Guillen talking about the Minnesota Twins, calling them guppies on the post-game show, you know, saying that they have no shot and the, the Indians were dead. They traded away every one of their, like, assets that could get something. And uh, who am I missing? The Royals were no issue. So 
you know, the White Sox, they're going to have this division, I think, this year too, but it's going to be a little bit tougher. And I think that's a good thing. The AL East is just a complete monster. And I think the AL West got a lot weaker. So I think everything's going to balance itself out as far as the schedule goes. But I'm excited about the way that this team is moving so far with the offseason and, you know, all the additions that they made have been good. I like all three facets between the bullpen, the starting rotation, and, of course, the starting lineup. So I got to ask you, as of right now, pre-right field signing or trade for an A starter or anything, what do you have the White Sox doing as far as a record as of right now? What's your over-under win total? Oh, put me on the spot, Vinny. Um, over under win total. Um, I'm going to say 87. Wow. Okay. So you're going low. I thought for over, sure what you were going to say. I'm setting the over under at 87. I'm taking the over. Um, I'm saying the White Sox are going to win 91 games this year. Wow. People are going to be surprised. I. I will be stunned if they don't win 95 games. I'm being dead serious. They lost one time last year when Jose Abreu, Luis Robert, Yoan Moncada, Yasmani Grandal, Eloy Jimenez, and Tim Anderson. When all six of those guys were in the lineup last year, they went nine and one. So well, I, I'll say I'll tell you this, Vinny. Uh that number. You asked me the team as it stands right now. If if we That's add Nick, Nick Casalanos, this team wins over 95 games. I'll tell you that okay. right now. I like that. I mean, I like it. I don't really care that he's kind of a mediocre to bad defender in right field. You know, it's not a bad or it's not a good thing. Conforto is certainly a better defensive player, but he's going to have 100 RBIs and 30 home runs like Castellanos. It's a hitter's park. It's not like the White Sox have these crazy dimensions in the outfield that make it more difficult than anywhere else. So that's where I land on the whole thing. I want to switch gears a little bit here, though. We yeah. we fully believe that the White Sox are going to be pretty good. I know we got some fans of the team on the north side that watch this show. They just landed over on the Chicago Cubs side of things. They just landed Saya Suzuki. Do you know anything mm -hmm. about him, and what are your thoughts on the signing? You know, I don't know a crazy lot about him, but I did watch some of his highlights, and um, this guy is going to be a great fit over there in Wrigley. I mean, they they needed some a signing like him, and, and it looks like the Ricketts are finally starting to open their pocketbook over on the north side again, which is kind of refreshing to see. So uh, I, I think he's going to be great, and I, I kind of like what the Cubs are doing. They're definitely spending money this offseason. Uh, Marcus Stroman as well, and, you know, this they just uh, – of course, they got our old buddy Nick Madrigal over there too. So uh, that Cubs team, I think, is a lot of people are sleeping on them. I don't know how they're all going to gel together, but I do like what they're doing, and I do like the Suzuki signing. Uh, you know, five years, eighty-five million. I mean, uh, this could end up being a steal for the for the Cubs if he ends up being as good of a player as a lot of people think he can be in the major leagues. So I, I love it. I, I mean, I'm yeah. Am I a Cub fan? No, but I don't dislike the Cubs and and I think that's a great signing for them and uh, they could definitely make some noise in that NL Central I think they're gonna be way better than people project and I agree me. that's me who like likes to crack jokes and make funny tweets about the Cubs um I have a lot of Cub fan friends and family and everything around that um I think they're gonna be great 
not great. I don't, I don't know about great, but their over-under before signing Suzuki was 70. What are we talking about here? Look at the rotation. They have three really good starters with Hendricks, Stroman, and Wade Miley. People forget that the Cincinnati Reds, before they started this post-lockout deterioration of their roster, you know, I might be the third best hitter on that team behind Jonathan India and Joey Votto now. So, you know, the Cubs, I think their, their floor is third place. And yeah. I, I don't think they're going to – I like the Brew Crew. I think the Brew Crew have a pretty good lineup. And the St. Louis Cardinals, even when things look bleak, they'll rattle off 17 in a row at the end of the season to make the wild card game. Yeah, like, right. The St. Louis, they're like the National League Yankees. They're always just kind of there. Even when they're not elite, they're just always kind of like making things difficult. But there is the extra place uh, in the postseason now, on one on each league. So – if you have a rotation like that and Nick Madrigal hits 300 as his little slap hitting self, you know, in the nine hole or whatever they do, I think, uh, you know, Frank Schwindel and Patrick Wisdom need to repeat what they did last year. But, you know, what are your thoughts on the Cubs as a whole? Like, do you think, do you agree with Vincent in second place? What's going on there? Are you with me having them in third, but still in playoff contention? Honestly, I, I do think that they're a second place team right now uh, with all the additions that they've made. You know, this Cubs team is spending money and they're spending it in the right place, surprisingly, as much as I hate to give credit to the Ricketts at all. But uh, they're doing what they have to do. And, I, and I, they're a second place team right now with with the upside to be like one of those sleeper teams that can kind of like sneak in and do whatever, you know, damage in the postseason. So, you know, I honestly think the Cubs are a postseason team right now as much as it pains me to say it, uh, I, I love what they're doing. They're spending more money than the White Sox are right now. And uh, I don't think that's going to last. Uh, I think the Cubs will end up, the Sox will probably end up spending more money once they sign whatever big fish they're trying to get right now. But uh, do I do love what the Cubs are doing. And, and I'm with you, Vinny. I think they're way better than advertised. And I could see them making a postseason splash. I agree. And, you know, they got Brendan Davis, who we're going to see play against the White Sox in one of the two games later today. Um, I do think they're out on Correa. Uh, I think the reason that he is a free agent is because he's looking for 300 mil and he's the only player on the entire free agent market that is commanding that type of coin. So teams are going to do their due diligence when it comes to trying to sign him. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me if like last second, one of the, you know, top money teams comes out and Lance Correa, but also like if I was Correa, I would just go try and win because of all the stuff that went out with the cheating. I, I would want people, I would want to throw my middle finger up and tell everyone who calls me a cheater to F you, I'm going to keep winning. I would go to a team like the White Sox or the Rays or Blue Jays, a, a team like that that can guarantee me like a good chance to win the World Series, but we'll see how much he's inclined for money. Um, as far as the Cubs, I I like their roster if, like I said, if Schwindel and wisdom have good years. What is Wilson Contreras going to do? Are you team sign him and actually try and keep winning? Or would you sell him off and really try and retool or rebuild this team? Like we kind of thought they were going to do at the end of last year. You know what, Vinny? I, I think the Suzuki signing proves to me that there's, there's no rebuild happening. They're going to win. Now you don't sign a guy like that for the big money. Yes. It's a five-year deal. I get that. But look at all the other moves they're making. They got Stroman. You know they're they're opening the they're opening the pocketbook. I think they're trying to get back into the winning winning uh, mindset without having to deal Contreras. Now, if this team is tanking bad, 
and you get to the trade deadline and you get it offer too good to refuse, then yes, you trade him. But otherwise, I think you're. I think they're planning on to hold on to Contreras. I think they're going to try to win. And uh, this division is very. I don't want to say mediocre, but it's kind of a mediocre division right now. As much as I hate to say it out loud, besides the Brew Crew, um, it's the Cubs can pounce, and I think they're going to try to stay in it and uh, hang on to Contreras. I respect teams that try to win. I do. Even, unless unless it's like so obvious that you're not going to. Like the A's, I think what the A's are doing is smart, but like what the Reds are doing is just disgusting. And people are going to say, what's the difference? Uh, the difference is you're the Reds. You've had all these good players for all these years. You got Joey Votto, who's like a clear-cut Hall of Famer. And now, you know, I can't believe that, you know, th- they're doing what they're doing. But we have kind of some breaking news here on the Barroom Network that the Chicago Bears' former wide receiver, Allen Robinson, has signed a deal with the Los Angeles Rams. What are your thoughts? Wow. First off, wow. Uh, Super Bowl champion Rams adding some depth at wide receiver. Uh, this tells me a couple things uh, right off the cuff, Vinny. It tells me, one, that Robert Woods is probably out in L.A. And uh, they don't. I'm not sure what they're going to do with Van Jefferson. They got Cooper Cup. They've got Odell Beckham Jr. There's a log jam of wide receivers in L.A. Um so for me, if they're giving him that much money, Allen Robinson is going to be a big factor for the Rams. So uh, I'm just interested to see how it plays out for that team. And obviously good for A-Rob for getting paid, but uh, escaping the Chicago Bears and, and Matt Nagy, who, who's already gone. But uh, maybe A-Rob can finally prove his worth in L.A. I think he's going to go to L.A. and go off, and he's going to make the Bears look dumb and kind of like Odell Beckham Jr. did to the Browns. He's going to have Matthew Stafford throwing him passes, who Allen Robinson's not very fast. I mean, I say he's not very fast. He would lap me in a race. But, (laughs) you know, relative to other top receivers in the NFL, he's not top 10 anymore. He's probably not even top 20 or top, you know, he's probably top 30 maybe. But, you know, he might go back to that, like, high-level status playing with a – offense like LA has they got good linemen that protect the quarterback and the run game is strong which opens up the field for the receivers and they got an elite quarterback throwing in passes so I think it's a great move for them yeah no I'm with you I think it is a great move excited to see what they do uh also of note since we're briefly talking football the Bills cut Cole Beasley uh could be a good option for the Bears to pick up Uh, I do like Cole Beasley as a slot guy so super random note but you know, never no know. Doubt. It could happen. The Rams aren't the only Los Angeles team signing big players in the last 24 hours. Of course, yeah. uh, Atlanta Braves legend Freddie Freeman is headed to the Los Angeles Dodgers on a big deal. He is a defending World Series champion. He won the MVP alongside Jose Abreu, Freeman for the National League, Abreu for the American League in 2020. This Los Angeles Dodgers lineup with the likes of Mookie Betts, Taylor, um, uh, Bellinger, now Freeman, Muncie, Trey Turner, the other Turner. I mean, they are unbelievable. I cannot wait to watch this team. What are your thoughts on Freeman going to the Dodgers? It drives me out of my mind, Vinny, if I'm being completely honest with you. Uh, what's this super team bull crap? in the in major league baseball. I'm I, it's just so ridiculous. Like if 
if you want to just keep spending and spending and spending and add all the best players, I mean, you and I both know that on paper you could have a super team and it's going to be like the greatest players ever. And if they don't get along, they don't gel together. It doesn't matter. Um, Freddie Freeman. Great. Good for you. You know, obviously that the Braves made, made their deal to get their new first baseman. So that works out for them. Um, it'll like, like Vince says, it's, it, it'll be the best lineup ever probably in the history of baseball. I mean, it, it's the worst thing for the MLB. Uh, super teams in baseball should not be a thing. This is why the salary cap seriously needs to be handled way better in major league baseball. These teams can just throw money at everything, throw off the competitive balance. I mean, they're They're going to win like 120 games. It is the LA Yankees AC. You're a hundred percent right. And it's bull crap and major league baseball needs to address it. Um, I, I hate everything about it. Freddie Freeman I loved Freddie Freeman, and now I hate him. I don't understand how I could go from like thinking so highly of a player, and now I'm like, oh man, he's a sack of shit. I don't think Freddie Freeman's a sack of shit, but like, man, I just I want to hate him so much now. Uh, I hate it so much. That's that's the long winded answer, Vinny. You know what? I completely understand what you're saying, and until the Freddie Freeman thing, I didn't understand the Dodger hate with all this super team stuff because they built it the right way they did. They have the prospect capital and they developed a lot of their players. And a lot of guys went from being nobodies to somebody's just by going to the Dodgers and they traded for Mookie Betts, right? And everybody's saying, Oh, the Dodgers super team, super team. They had the assets that Boston would accept for Mookie Betts. Same thing with Scherzer and Trey Turner. They had this top farm system that they can keep pulling from to add those guys. Now, Freddie Freeman, that's just a use of money. That's it. It kind of reminds me, you know what's a good comparable is the Golden State Warriors, right? The Golden State Warriors drafted and developed a super team. They drafted Klay Thompson. They drafted Stephen Curry. They drafted Draymond Green. Uh, did they draft Iguodala? I don't remember. Like either way, and then they won seventy three games, right? They choked in the finals to LeBron James and the Cleveland Cavaliers, and then they went out and drafted, uh, or they signed Kevin Durant, and Durant made them look like one of those teams. Like, oh, they're a super team. They, you know, the seventy three win team, but they kind of earned the right to sign one free agent, Curry Green, and all them. Like, when's the last time the Dodgers signed a free agent? like Freeman, just by use of their money. It's Trevor Bauer, and that didn't even work out for them. Well, to be fair, Vinny, they made some big trades where they ate a lot of contract money too. So that's that, I, yeah. I, I, I don't think you can flat out compare them to like developing these guys and give them all that credit, but I do agree with the comparison. Um, but they've eaten a lot of money, the Max Scherzer thing. I mean, a lot of these trades, and you know, yeah, they're they just throwing money at everything, but – it just drives me. It drives me insane, and and I hate it. And it makes me hate baseball for it even being allowed. Um, maybe I sound bitter because I'm not a Dodgers fan. If I was, if you are a Dodgers fan, you're probably like shitting your pants with glee. Um, but everyone else in the league is probably pissed off about it. There's no doubt that money plays into it. They had the money to uh, have Mookie Betts and sign him long term and make the trade worth it, and they had to take David Price's contract in order to get him too. So stuff like that is absolutely you have a great point. I don't disagree with anything you're saying on the money. I like I just think to some level 
the Dodgers aren't like the Yankees of old, where they just right, signed everybody. Right. They made trades using their pro- – you know what they are? I think I said this on South Burbs Hitman at the end of last year. They're a mix of the Rays and the Yankees. That's what yeah. they are. They use analytics and, you know, money ball type of stuff, except once their players are free agents or it's time to make a trade, instead of signing Scott Hatterberg or Jeremy Giambi, RIP, they, yeah. you know, they trade for Mookie Betts or sign Freddie Freeman. Like that's the difference between those, the money ball teams and rich teams. Yeah. And, and let's, and let's face it, Vinny, they've got LA money. <laughs> yeah. And, it's the most overrated sports city in America. You know, they're not part of like the big four, in my opinion. When I think of like the diehards, people who live there just eat, live, or eat, sleep, and breathe sports, it's Boston, Chicago, Philly, and New York. LA is in a distant second with Cleveland and Houston and Glendale or, you know, whatever, Seattle. They're a good market, but they're not like – so the Dodgers, to me – they're they're just rich and smart. I hate to say it. The Yankees, no, the Yankees have not. more money and they're they're terrible. They might come in fourth. I agree with you. I I'm not, I don't discount for one second that the the Dodgers are smart, being handled smartly. Um, Dodgers are a historic franchise. They've got a big fan base. Yeah, not the greatest sports town, but they got a big fan base and they've got smart people running them. And they're going to be really good. So there's no doubt in my mind that the Dodgers will be. Arguably, probably the best team in the NL, if not the second best team. So you're pro salary cap in baseball? I think there should be something. I don't. I, I agree. I I, 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 I just think it's better than like just saying, yeah, go ahead, throw, throw whatever you want at it. I like the way hockey does it. I know basketball does it okay. They're kind of like baseball, where they have like the the competitive balance tax or like a soft cap. And football and hockey, to me, do it the the smartest because. In the NFL, you can't spend over the cap, and it causes teams. If you if you're the Bears and you don't hit on Mitchell Trubisky, the Khalil Mack trade goes to waste, and you got to trade him to get under the cap. And there's no unless you have Tom Brady taking pay cuts, you really can't be a dynasty in football. Like, I think the Chiefs are going to suck in short order because Patrick Mahomes' deal is going to keep them from ever having a legit defense year after. I know they picked it up in the second half of this year, but like. You know, the Bills were able to sign Von Miller, and I think they have a, a year or two to really run for it. But then when Josh Allen signs a huge contract, what are they going to be able to do? Look at the Cowboys handcuffed by Dak Prescott. You, you can't give every single – or your stars all the money. I like that about hockey and uh, football. Connor McDavid and Leon Dreisaitl make up – I want to say they make up 20% of Edmonton's cap space, and they stink. They have the two best players in the league, and they stink. So that's where I'm at. I, I agree with you. I would add a cap. Yeah, uh, <laughs> you know, we're going to see how this plays out this year. Uh, I mean, it could totally backfire on the Dodgers, too. So, you know, we could be laughing about this come September. Uh, that's a great question from Vince there. Uh, one that I was actually thinking about the other day. You know, I don't know. Trevor Bauer is one of those figures that I don't think he's been convicted of anything, right? He was not only not convicted, I'm pretty sure he was like the cases were like, See ya. But the MLB is still doing their own formal investigation that has nothing to do with the law. Technically, though, he's still a member of the Dodgers, right? I yeah, mean, they I don't... never got him. I just don't think he'll play there ever again, do you? I mean, 
I don't know. I mean, I, maybe they trade him, or maybe uh, I don't know. I don't even know how you could. Maybe just release him. It's a very hard thing for me to even talk about because I think there's pros and cons to both sides. And you know me, I like to be like in the middle on everything when it comes to this type of stuff. Bauer cutting him and not letting him play sets a bad precedent for somebody who may have done nothing wrong, but also it's like you believe survivors and stuff like that. And so, you know, was this girl, you know, it's a slippery slope for me. So I, it's hard to figure out for me what's going on with Bauer. Yeah, I just I don't see him. I guess I just can't see him playing this season. I just I'd love to see him play somewhere again. Obviously, that's this whole thing has been you know obviously this this suspension and this investigation is going to go on for a while. Uh, but you and I said this before everything happened. Trevor Bauer and the way he breaks down the game is great thing for baseball. Um, regardless of how you feel about the situation, you know the guy. You know, he's been exciting for, for baseball. Um, obviously, he's not been convicted of anything. Doesn't mean the guy's innocent. There could be a lot of things that happen still with the, the investigation. But uh, as far as I'm concerned, since this thing has been dismissed in court, I just I think he's going to play again. I just don't know if it's going to be this season. I'd love to see him pitch again. Yeah, for sure. What AL Central rival scares you the most? Dude, I... Uh, it's crazy to say it, but I, I'm really scared of the Tigers now. Um, I, it was always the Twins, and the Twins have kind of had a bit of a fall from grace. The Guardians don't scare me at all. For me, the Tigers have been so improved. You know, you know, we got Baez. They've got all these young hitters and great, you know, up and coming pitching. I, I think we really got to watch the Tigers this season, Vinny. Uh, and and we play them so much. It's really important that we win these games against them. Because they're so improved. They really are. I agree with you. They're, they were the team I was most scared of last year. They came in third, but they were the second best team in the second half of the season. So, you know, they added Baez. They got Tucker Barnhart to catch for them. Casey Mize is a great pitcher. Scooble is a good pitcher. Um, they added uh, Erod from the Red Sox. Uh, yep. Who did they just also get? They, they just got someone recently, too. Oh, they signed Andrew Chafin, who's a really good bullpen arm. Big Big country, they call them. So yep. if you're if you're a Cubs fan, who's your NL Central rival that you're most scared of? It's got to be the Brew Crew. I mean, they're the best, well, the most well-rounded team, in my opinion. Uh, again, weak division as a whole. I feel like it's a weak division. The Brewers, just because their starting pitching is is quality. And they've got a couple of quality bats in that lineup. I don't say any team in that division really like puts fear in me, but the best team for me is the Brewers. All right. And so I want one I have one more question that has nothing to do with either of our two teams that we can break down South Burbs Hitman. Yeah. Is this the Mets year to finally win the NL East and make it to the postseason? Dude, I think it is. I mean, they, they, the shirts are deal. You know, they're, they're, they continue. I mean, they got Kana as well. He's their utility guy. I don't know if that's the right way to pronounce it, but, you know, he can't come over from the A's. I mean, Eduardo Escobar. I mean, these guys, if they don't do it this year, I just don't see it ever happening. I, they, they have all the pieces to do it. 
I really, I really believe the Mets can do it. If you're a New York Mets fan, you got to be excited. And let's be honest, when the Mets win, it's good for baseball because like they've been so shitty forever. I'd love to see them have a winning record. Yeah, I I love the Mets. They're one of my five favorite teams. They're one of the five teams I will say I will watch the most of in 2022. Obviously, one is the White Sox. Two, believe it or not, is probably the Cubs because of work and living sure. here and all that. But, you know, the the Mets will be on my radar a lot this year. I think they're a mortal lock. Whatever the over-under is, I would smash the over. And I think they will be playing postseason baseball. And I think they have a chance to go deep because if DeGrom and Scherzer are healthy, you're up 2-0 in any series you play to start. So, you know, obviously that's not a lock. Scherzer and DeGrom haven't won, you know, every World Series ever. So that's, you know, they're beatable, but it's hard. So I like the Mets this year. So Um, before we get out of here, we have big news here at the Barroom Network. Of course, it is the return of South Burbs Hitman to the program and, you know, joining the the family, rejoining the family, I guess you could say, after a winter off. And we didn't get to do any, like, winter uh, impromptu shows, like emergency podcasts, because there was no baseball. There was a lot. Nothing happened. (laughs) Exactly. And we weren't going to do, like, a... We weren't really doing an emergency show for Kendall Graveman signing, even though that's a great signing. I can't wait to watch him mow down Minnesota Twins and Cleveland Guardians players with a nice three-pitch mix. But we're not doing an emergency podcast for that. So preview South Burbs Hitmen for everyone. What's on your mind with that? Yeah, man. The the South Burbs Hitmen are back here on the Barroom Network. We will be premiering back here on the network after our season-ending hiatus on March 28th. Uh, our new time spot will be 8 p.m. and will be every Monday night, unless unless we mention it the week before that we're off. But we're planning on doing every Monday night during baseball season, 8 p.m. Uh, March 28th will be our premiere episode uh, for season two, that is. And we're going to be talking everything, our season predictions, uh, take a look at the schedule coming up. Uh, the typical stuff we do during South Burbs Hit, man, we're going to all your favorite segments are back. Gonna have Larusa's locker breaking down Tony Larusso White Sox weekly. Weekly, uh, you're put it on the board player of the week, the best players of each week, and your Adam Dud of the week, the stinker players of each week, and we'll continue to bring great guests and, and White Sox related content throughout the entire season. Of course, joining me and Vinny, of course, will be uh, Steven Zim Zimmerman and Chris Gonzalez, uh, and it's going to be a fun year too for the South Burbs Hitmen. Uh, cannot wait for it, Vinny. Um, as I mentioned, we'll premiere March 28th. Our, uh, and that'll be just our preview show where we're giving our guests, uh, you know, our, our season predictions and all that fun stuff. But we do have a guest on the seat, our first guest of the season booked for April 4th, the following Monday. And that is the Monday before the season starts. That's right. Alyssa Bergamini, your White Sox in stadium host. And right now also covering the Chicago Bulls uh, will be joining us on the show that night going to be a lot of fun previewing the White Sox season. Uh, She'll probably give us a little insight to some stuff going on inside the ballpark this year. And I can't wait. And I know you and I are going to be at a game sometime soon, getting a dog at 35th Street Red Hots, and even maybe stopping at that Cuban stand. Oh, I love Minnie Minoso. God rest his soul. The Cuban Comet, baby. Oh, yeah. You know, I'm ready to eat Cubans. Uh, I, I kind of burned myself out of the Cubans last year because my goal was to have one at every Sox game. And then by yeah. August, I was like, I've been to 20-something games. I don't know if I want a Cuban anymore. I ended up 
going to like 35 total games. I, I, I have the second half of the season, I slowed down on the Cubans. So this year I'm going to pace myself a little bit better. I don't, I don't recommend want... you have a Cuban at every game. I, I don't no, recommend No, no, no. I, I don't either. Because then you'll be burned out. If you go to a lot of games like me, you'll be burned out of them by mid-June. So, you know, next year I want to be able to enjoy a Cuban in September. So Yeah, I, but happen. if you're going to a game it, it, since it's St. Patrick's Day, you do have to go in right field down the baseline to the deli counter. You got to get that corned beef sandwich there. there Probably the best thing in the ballpark. I agree with that. It's right there for the top thing in the park. I'm a helmet nacho guy. I love nachos in general. Uh, the oh, helmet yeah. nachos are phenomenal. Got to do some pork, a little extra jalapenos. If you're into spicy foods like me, I'm a weirdo. Um Joe, I can't wait for South Burbs Hitman. I really cannot wait. I've been itching to talk about the White Sox for a long time. Uh, the offseason sucked. Doing this show was hard. It was rewarding to get through it. And we had Liam Hendricks and you did Gavin Cheats with me. That's actually the yeah. last time we talked to each other live on air. We both you're played. right. You're right. I forgot. How could I forget? That was yeah. way better than, than uh, most things I've done. <laughs> yeah. So, you know um, – it was it was tough, but it was rewarding, and I'm ready to get this show going. Um, hopefully, Joey's back with us at some point and get South Burbs Hitman going. So I can't thank you enough for coming on our show. It's been an incredible time. I enjoy talking baseball. And on this show, we get to venture off a little bit more than the other show when we got four Hell guys yeah. trying to talk about one team specifically. On this show, mm-hmm. we can talk about whatever we want. Are you excited for Obi-Wan Kenobi? I think excited would be like an understatement. Uh, the hype levels are through the roof. Um, I mean, I was hyped for Boba Fett, and yeah, it was pretty good. It wasn't the greatest thing ever, but you know, Obi Wan, yeah, I'm, I'm the hype machine is off the off the charts, and uh, May 25th can't get here fast enough. Absolutely, on May 25th, I could see it now. It's going to be a moderately warm day. I'm going to wake up in the morning. I'm going to, you know, look and see what the White Sox um, got going on that day. And of course, get ready for the book of Boba, or not? Um, now you got the book of Boba Fett on my mind. I'm gonna be getting ready for uh, Obi Wan Kenobi. The White Sox have a night game on Wednesday, May 25th, against the Boston Red Sox. So it's a little Sox Sox action. Actually, if I remember correctly, now that I'm thinking about it, I already have tickets to that game against the Boston Red Sox on May 25th. It's funny. I was just gonna say. I was like, didn't I offer those tickets to you? Yeah, so I will be at Guaranteed Ray Field the day of Obi-Wan Kenobi. So it'll probably be either a late-night premiere for me watching Obi-Wan or watching it during the day. But either way, I can't wait. Yeah, uh, I will be watching it at like 5 in the morning. I love it. I just can't I, I can't have it spoiled. No, that's the thing. you got to stay off Twitter. It sucks, which is extra hard for me because I don't get off Twitter. Well, my problem now, Vinny, is like, I also, I'm on Twitter, as you know, just like with you, but I also, I don't post on TikTok, but I watch TikToks because yeah. they're amusing. Mm-hmm. And you can't watch anything on TikTok without it being spoiled. So that's tough. Yeah, brutal. That's really tough. Well, I can't thank you enough for coming on. I'm excited to get South Burbs Hitman going. Is it next week, two weeks? I don't even know my uh, day. It's, it is a, it's a week from next tuesday next monday so it's it's a week from this upcoming monday so it's the 28th at 8 p.m the new 8 p.m time slot so join us for our season prediction show and uh season preview gonna be fun and then Alyssa bergamini on april 4th and we'll be working to bring great guests and uh white Sox content the whole season gonna be a boatload of fun join us on south burbs hitmen don't miss it 
Absolutely. Can't wait. Going to be so fun. And make sure you tune into all the other great shows on the Barroom Network covering basketball. The NFL draft is really starting to heat up. Uh, free agency, all that sort of thing. Dan and Aldo doing their thing on Tuesday nights. I was watching a little bit two nights ago, and I was laughing pretty hard while doing it. Uh, Mike North has his hands down his pants because he's so obsessed with Mitchell Trubisky going to the Pittsburgh Steelers. He's excited about that. Love you, Uncle yeah. Mike. Um, you know, all that sort of stuff. Next Wednesday, me, Joey, and Frank Mueller are going to be uh, – going over what went on two days prior with the NHL trade deadline. So, so excited about that. And then, of course, I'll be back next week doing South or Crosstown Crosstalk with a little bit of spring training baseball in our back pocket. So, Joe, I got a White Sox versus Cubs game split squad to go watch right now. There you um, go. It was a blast having you on. I can't thank you enough. Everyone, make sure you're following South Ribs Hitman on Twitter. And, of course, at Joe Mandel on Twitter. I'm at Vinny Parisi on Twitter. And, as always, thank you for listening. Thanks, guys. Thank you.